okay. That was a bit of a pizzazz, oh, anyways. I, I thought we were gonna, thought we were gonna go with that. Nah, nah, like nah. We were trying something out new with the acapella theme. And like <laughs> we start, we do the acapella, and then we do the instrumental as like a comparison. Maybe who knows? Anyways, you're listening to the Arts Report, CHR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver. I'm your host Ashley Park, and I'm Jake Clark. And welcome to our September 20th show, everybody. Howdy. All right, so first of all, we have a lot of stuff for you today. We have some great interviews with a lot of events coming up. Number one, we have 13 The Musical, which is going to be really, really fun. Then later, we have Word Vancouver writers coming in and also some local stuff on campus. So there's a lot of stuff happening. We want you to go check it out. There's also VIP happening soon, too, so don't forget about that. But first of all, let's talk about 13 The Musical. We actually have two guests with us today. Can you say hi to our listeners? Hello. Hi. All right. Can you guys introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Chris Adams. I'm the director of the show. Hi. My name is Kira LaRue, and I'm playing Kendra. All right. Can you guys now tell us about 13 The Musical for those who don't know? Sure. 13 The Musical is a, uh, it's a Broadway musical. Uh, it was on Broadway in 2008. It's a, essentially a coming-of-age story for our lead character of Evan, uh, he's 12 years old, turning 13. He's about to go through to his bar mitzvah, and mm-hmm. he gets relocated to small-town Indiana where he knows no one and becomes not one of the popular kids, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about your character. Your character is Kendra, is that right? Yes. Can you tell us more about her character? So basically, when Evan comes to the school, he wants to get all of the coolest kids in the school to come to his bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wants to impress the coolest guy in the school which is Brett Mm -hmm. and Brett has a crush on basically the it girl of the school which is Kendra Uh uh-huh so (laughs) you're the it girl yeah (laughs) so um to get Brett to be impressed by him Evan tries to set Brett and Kendra up on a date together Mm -hmm. and this is by bring it on tomorrow company is that right yeah yeah it is yeah and the show it starts September 28th to August uh, no excuse me October first and October 4th to October 8th that's at the Waterfront Theater at 1412 Cartwright Street so this is coming up really fast you guys mm-hmm. yeah I think we have our first audience in what do you say eight days, eight days. something like yeah. that yeah, yeah. That's, that's really really uh quick you yeah. feel pretty well prepared I think so a lot of stuff's <laughs> going to change in the next little bit we uh mm-hmm. we start to leave the rehearsal hall and move into the theater on the weekend so that will be fun and terrifying and <laughs> we'll have lots and lots of long days in the theater so yeah now I got a I got a question about that process actually. Sure. Both of you have been affiliated with very have and or are affiliated with various choirs. Uh, Chris, you were in a choir when you were younger, and you are in jazz choir, yeah. Yeah. And it, now with the musical, there's obviously a lot of similar things. There's there's singing. That's a similarity. But is there does that help organize a musical? Say your experience with a choir. I mean, I wouldn't have found musical theater if I hadn't found choir. So it 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 got me started. Like the gateway drug. Yeah, it was. It was my choir was my gateway drug into musical theater. <laughs> uh, it it allowed me to have that confidence to stand in front of people and sing and be you know create that community that that theaters used to. Do you feel that? Oh, definitely, and it definitely gives you like the sense of the ensemble too. Like we have a lot of singing in our show with um, lots of different parts of harmonies, and so it definitely helps to have been in choir. There's a lot of similarities there. How long were you guys involved in choir before musical theater or alongside it? Was that? Uh... Oh, um, I was intensely in choir for many years until I hit around high school age, and then I moved over to musical theater. But while I was doing theater, uh, I was still doing jazz choir. I did vocal jazz. I did all the competitions all through high school as well. So I kept it going through that and into university. I went to UVic, and I did uh, vocal jazz at UVic as well. So I kept it going for many years. Nice. Yeah. And uh, both of you have, from this, experienced theater and the associated scenes from an early age. Does that, I guess, that gives you a unique perspective on this coming-of-age story. What, what are some of the things you notice, especially perhaps looking back or at your own experiences in school around this time? Well, I'd love to hear your answer, Kara, because you're way closer to 13 than I am. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that... The story of 13 definitely does reflect what actually happens at school when you're 13. Um, It's a little bit dramatic, and, um, you know, there's the different drama between 
best friends and drama between the boys and the girls and um being able to represent that now that I'm a few years past that is quite funny and kind of nostalgic a little bit. Do you ever find yourself sort of reliving something that hits particularly close to home? Um, maybe a little bit. I don't know that I was a Kendra character in middle school, per se. But I think that definitely there's a lot of stuff. Like, in the show, a lot of our characters are just, you know, finding themselves Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to figure out who they are. And, you know, it's middle school. There's lots of peer pressure. And I definitely felt that in middle school. I think a lot of people will see it in, in the character Evan. The, the lead character, he he comes to the school wanting to find the coolest kids and be best friends with the coolest kids. And, and in doing that, he he ends up ignoring the the not-so-cool kids that, that end up being his real best friends. And I think a lot of people can go through that journey, you know, mm-hmm. back at, at any age. Do you think part of that is considering a narrative of what people expect high school to be compared to what it actually is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that... I mean, it's just sort of human nature to go into something with expectations, right? And a lot of times, you have to allow yourself to be surprised. And uh, and that's kind of what happens with Evan, and that's kind of what happens with people in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Chris, you're actually the director and producer of this project. Yeah. Can you tell us your experiences in uh, making this musical come to life? Sure. Um, it, uh, it's been a very collaborative effort. We had... Uh, uh, last year, Bring On Tomorrow Co. produced a production of Fame, mm-hmm. um, and then we had two uh, additional producers, uh, uh, Bruce and Dave, uh, join us this year, and uh, they were the ones that were gunning f- to do the show 13, and, and uh, they brought it to us, and we listened to it and decided as a producing organization that, that this would be a great second show for us. It's only mm-hmm. our second show. Um, so getting it off the ground has been great. Uh there's been lots to do, obviously, but uh, we're really growing with every show. So mm-hmm. number two is, you know, getting pretty close, and we have a third one lined up already. So, mm-hmm. can you tell us more about Bring It On Tomorrow Company? You are part of that group. Yeah. What's it like working with your other members? It's great. It's a lot of meetings. Yep. Um, we normally meet at White Spot. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of White Spot dinners. <laughs> we all know the menu and what we order. Uh, and then we stay there for hours and, and figure everything out. Figure out the production, who we want to hire as a production team, who, you know, figure out casting sessions. Everything basically happens at those meetings. Um, luckily, we all get along really well, and uh, we just like to talk and, and figure stuff out. And, yeah, so far it's been it's been really easy to, to have these shows just happen. Mm-hmm with a lot of work. <laughs> Where does that name come from, Bring On Tomorrow? Well, it comes from a couple things. We uh, we were looking for something that would work for our first production of Fame. We figured that if we were doing Fame uh, and it was not a success and it totally failed, that we could just leave that name alone. Um, if it worked, which it did, <laughs> and if we liked it and it was a great thing, then Bring On Tomorrow uh, is actually the title and and it's a lyric in the show fame uh so we stole the lyric from fame bring on tomorrow and thought it would make a great name for a company Mm -hmm. uh and we figured that if it did go forward and and if we did want to move forward with turning our our ad hoc group of performers into a a real production company then that would be a name that could work into the future it certainly does have that drive to it yeah that notion. I kind of went for it. I survived today. Bring on tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a lot of theater. So. Lifestyle yes. yeah. performing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that certainly is, I guess, fun. Now, um, with the, a lot of the cast, the cast is approximately the age of their characters. Yeah. And how do you go about uh, casting for a show like this with that in mind? Well, it... Uh I mean, it starts the same as every other show, is that we put out an audition call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we put it through all the normal channels in Vancouver, and, and we got submissions. Uh, actually, Karen and I were just talking about this earlier. We we got quite a few for this show, I think, because a lot of teens know it really well. Um, we we ended up seeing roughly about 60 people in, in two days, uh, and then narrowed that down, and then narrowed it down again, and uh, found our cast. It... Uh, there were a lot of parts that were, were super easy to cast and a lot that were a lot harder. Um, 
we, we found the boys sort of slotted nicely into their characters. Uh, the girls were much more challenging, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it probably just because there were so many more of them. There's always, you know, in theater, we're always looking for more men to do stuff. So that still happens even as teens. But uh, the casting was great. It was a, a pretty, you know, easy process. Everybody looked at the resumes. Everybody figured out, yep, that's going to be that person. It was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, paint by numbers kind of idea. So everything fit really well. All right. And yeah. here, it looks like you actually have a uh, quite a history as well that you uh, actually play alto, alto saxophone, and also that uh, you were with the uh, Lindbergh Academy. Is that right? I was. Um, I was with Lindbergh for ten years. Yeah. It's a great performing arts school for. Um, kids and teens and Mm -hmm. I learned a lot of my musical theater basics from there and I also learned I learned my um, musical Mm -hmm. um, I have my musical background from school mostly Uh, I've been in band since grade six and I'm in grade 10 now Mm -hmm. I play the saxophone and last week I just started playing the trumpet in jazz band yeah well that's a lot of stuff that you're doing (laughs) yeah how has this project shaped your acting um, I think that Kendra has been quite a challenge for me, actually, really? a challenge in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm There's definitely a lot of scenes that Kendra has. Um, I've loved working with Chris on the scenes and, um, you know, <laughs> developing my acting even more. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you're doing a project in the future. It looks like you have... A, uh, a, a, t- a Nickelodeon TV movie called Inside Voice that you'll be appearing in, is that right? Yeah, um, I actually worked on that in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on set for Nickelodeon's Inside Voice, and then I was also on set for a History Channel show called Six. Oh, wow. Any kind of like little bit of a teaser information for our uh, listeners, or it's a project we can't talk about right now? Or talk oh. about, or you could just talk about it with your Inside Voice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, these microphones will pick it up just fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's coming out soon. It's about um, a boy, and he's quite shy, and then um, basically it's about him trying to find his voice and trying to find out who he is, and it's also based around high school and finding yourself. Quite a similar concept to 13, actually. Cool. I have a question. Considering that it is a coming-of-age show with a character named Evan, yeah. Is there any connection between the show at all? Was any influence at any point in this production, Dear Evan Hansen? Uh, well, I think it'd have to be the other way around. Yeah. Uh, this show was written in 2008. I, I mean, on this production. Oh, like, in this production. Considering that, because it's it's a very contemporaneous, like, uh, there was a Reddit AMA with Auli Carvalho from Moana, and she said that she's been listening to Dear Evan Hansen and then recommended it to everyone. Well, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's, it's a great it's show. show. It is um, that's how I know it. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't think there's there's too much there uh, to compare it to. Uh, although this show is, you know, set in the present day, uh, you know, we don't quite have Evan Hansen's budget for uh, TV monitors for the <laughs> entire set. No, <Yeah>. really? <laughs> yeah, we couldn't afford the 107 screens they have on stage on Broadway. But, uh, no, I think it as a contemporary show... It has a similar sort of feel, but I think Jason Robert Brown, the composer of 13, writes with almost a little more old school sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely sounds uh, a lot like his, his stuff. It sounds like Last Five Years. It sounds like Songs for a New World. It ha- it's sort of that contemporary show, but with that uh, really cool rock band sort of sound. So a little less contemporary than Dear Evan Hansen, but still set present day. Mm-hmm. And what's it like working with the creative team? You have your uh, set designer, uh, Christopher, Christopher David Gauthier. I hope I'm saying that. Gauthier. Name. Gauthier, thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, you also have the lighting designer, uh, Graham yeah. Ockley, and the sound designer, Alex Livland. Yeah. What was it like working with them to kind of create the set? Well, what's great about that is is I you know, essentially handpicked all those guys, right? Okay. Like they're they're all guys that I've worked with in the past, and I love working with them. They're amazing people. They're amazing at what they do. Uh, Christopher and I have done four or five shows together over mm-hmm. the past six or seven years. Uh, he's always the best. Uh, I didn't even think we would get him for this show. <laughs> he just got back from designing at the Shaw Fest, you know, in Ontario, oh, and now great. he's designing our show. Uh, Graham is one of the busiest lighting designers in the city. Um, Alex Livland is the head of sound at the Orpheum, mm-hmm. so he does all of the symphony stuff, but he's literally taking a week off work to come and do our show. Uh, so all of these guys I've worked with for years, and I just, you know, 
I couldn't imagine doing the show without them. Also, I should give a shout out to our costume designer, Chris Sinisich, who, mm-hmm. you know, she does Touch, she does Royal City, she does all of these big giant musicals and you know, we have a fraction of the budget of Theatre Under the Stars, and she's come out and working with us and providing the amazing costumes that you see there. You know, we're going to get the same quality with our show. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When is it on? Yeah, when uh, it's on September 28th to uh, October. What do you keep saying August? October. Yeah. October I'm we're not going back in time. Was, yeah. What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> that was what I heard too for 1st. Yeah. yeah. And then October 4th to the 8th again. And yeah. uh, how much are tickets? Uh, they do range. Of course, we had to make the ticket prices starting at $13. Mm-hmm. So you can get a ticket for as cheap as $13. <laughs> uh, and it does go up depending on where you sit and what day of the week it is, up to $34 for adults on you know prime nights. So anywhere in between. So we really were conscious of, of all budgets. So mm-hmm. if you if you can't afford to see theater, we, we hope you can at least afford the $13 and come and sit in the front row. It'll be fun up there. Yeah. It's a lucky number for me. I can't speak to anyone else here. But. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what time is it on? Uh, our matinees are 2 o'clock and our evening shows are 8 o'clock. Okay. And again, this is at the Waterfront Theatre, 1412 Cartwright Street, Vancouver, B.C. Yeah. And thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're going to do is we're going to play a few uh, ads and PSAs, and then we'll get back to you with more Arts Report content. Stay tuned. We don't need to tell you that Vancouver has a housing problem. Mass evictions. Mass rent evictions. Unfair rent increases. What happened to rent control and protection from unfair eviction? If these or other housing matters concern you, you may be interested in joining the Vancouver Tenants Union. For more information, visit tenantsunion.ca. I call it transcendence. Every Sunday at 10 p.m. to midnight. Hosted by DJ Smiley Mike and DJ Caddyshack. Post Rock Friday from 10 to 11 with your host John P for the best in post rock, drone, ambient, experimental, and noise. That ship out there will be smashed to bits. Use your emergency equipment. It won't work. Nothing works. It's got to. It's no use. Everything seems to be stuck. My life's worth a try anyway. Come on, fellas. You can make it. Just listen to this. Spider-Man saves Freighter. You can't tell me the captain couldn't have brought his ship in without the help of that publicity-seeking show-off, Spider-Man. Don't get caught wasting power. Unplug cell phone, camera, and other battery chargers when charging is complete. Many electronic devices continue to use power even when you are not operating them. The amount of energy consumed by electronics in a year when they were not in use could power Whistler Blackcomb Resorts for 43 years. This Power Smart Play brought to you by BC Hydro Power Smart and CITR 101.9 FM. And welcome back to the Arts Report. Howdy. You're listening to uh, CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver. I am your host, Ashley Park. And I'm Jake Clark. Let's talk Fringe reviews. Yep. Let's ah, do it. I love. I, lo- I do love Fringe, and this season was short, but mm-hmm. we did see some pretty dynamite shows. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say it went by really, really fast. I can't wait for next year's Fringe. They always they have a lot of like really, really great stuff. You just have to like 
really like devote some time. I'm gonna watch these fringe shows and go for it. I think Can't the thing wait. is we get a lot of end of tour shows too, yeah, yeah. so they've really worked through it. And well, Catherine Ferns, one we're talking about right now, was mm-hmm. that she she did say about booking the other theater, but would you say that's like an end of tour show? Because she came yeah. f- all the way from England to do it. I I don't know. I don't think so because in the interview that we had with her, like she was you know part of other fringes before. And it's mm-hmm. not, I don't think it's the end of her tour that, you know, she's ending her tour in Vancouver. I think it's just like a, she created a completely new set for Vancouver Fringe. Did she? Yeah, she did. That was a completely new set, huh? Yeah, it was a completely new set. Like, in the opening of her show that we went to, uh, yeah. remember, she was saying, like, oh, you know, my show was going to be about. The Nigel Farage bit and the Boris Johnson yeah. doesn't Yeah, about, like, well. yeah, yeah, about uh, lies and betrayal. But then she didn't want to do that. She wanted to talk about her um, own experiences and uh, a little bit of a content warning for people we're going to kind of touch upon themes of like domestic violence and you know drug use and depression uh, as well as some like really horrible stuff done to kitties so if you don't want to listen to that kind of stuff you know you might want to stay away but at the same time it was a comedy show well, yeah, it was like it was uh, a comedy show like uh, I we we talked about it afterwards and the two sources we kind of came up with was I thought of Christopher Titus and you thought of uh, Maria Bamford. Mm-hmm. I did. I did. Which would probably be, um, that's a pretty apt yeah. descriptor for the, certainly the tone of the comedy. Mm-hmm. So the show was called Captain Ferns is in Stitches and it's kind of like a double meaning. Yeah, because. You know, you're like, ha ha ha, I'm in Stitches and ah, I'm in Stitches. Because a lot of it, there's some pretty graphic descriptions of injuries mm-hmm. that she's, that have been inflicted on her from violence and the ensuing procedures. And like I'm, I'm the son of a doctor. I had, I had like yep. medical textbooks growing up, so it didn't. I, I don't get weirded out by those things. But I did. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I noticed you were taking it better than a, the person a couple rows behind us. There was really? a person a couple. I, I legitimately thought they were gonna duck out to be sick. Really, I didn't they, know that. They, they had their head in their hands a little bit during the, um, the, the, uh, content warning: needles in vagina, bit. Yeah. 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 I'm trypanophobic, or I was trypanophobic, and I wasn't yeah. thrilled about that. Yeah. I uh, I just can't believe that was an actual treatment that existed, and the fact that she went through it that was really horrific. I can but see it. But I would say that you know, overall, the show was actually quite quirky, but not in like a not in like those like degrading ways that we use quirky nowadays, but actually kind of like a little bit offbeat. But that was the reason why it was funny. Well, it's it's a show that has to be in a fringe sort of yeah. it's, it's it goes to that place that dark place a little too often for a comedy show and she even said you know you know it was, it was mm-hmm. i called this a comedy show and yeah. then we all kind of laughed because she's like is it wrong of me to call this a comedy show well she said she had to say repeatedly too it's okay to laugh yeah and i get why mm-hmm. I, I i get why but i i'm going like there was a segment in this which was really to me, because I'm, I'm a guy. Yeah. And a lot of this was about an issue that disproportionately affects women. Yeah, yeah. And she obviously was a woman. And she said during this that a coworker once told her, a male coworker told her a joke, and she says, bear in mind, I was a woman the whole time this joke was being told. And it was a horribly tasteless joke about domestic violence. Pretty, all oh, really misogynistic joke about yeah. domestic violence. And, um... That was one of the things that I that was one that stuck in my mind for this. Just it, it framed it framed your um, your perception of the show basically. Well, I'm not a person who laughs uproariously at a lot of shows. Yeah, I remember you. This do that is the kind of humor that I would probably laugh at, mm-hmm. but it goes to that place too often for mm-hmm. that. And there's that's for me mm-hmm. personally because there are too many times when I know that I will never experience, experience these issues yeah. i just i this just be demographically speaking so i mm-hmm. should approach it with slightly more consternation but i i feel like that was actually like good that you had that sort of understanding of how these will not affect you but i need to you know be open to it because some people you know when when they kind of like you know hear these kind of things mm-hmm. or they hear uh, quote unquote feminist joke they kind of shut down because they're like oh it's just just men hating women again, like that kind of thing, you know. Well, for me, that would for me it wouldn't be a reason not to see the show. Yeah, it would be a reason to treat the show with a bit more forethought. Yeah. Than I would, for example, uh, Christopher Titus, who mm-hmm. could be alongside me in the union of blonde guys. <laughs> I see the union of blonde guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's another blonde Jake at CITR. I'm, I'm seriously, you know, we we could start a union. Like a tradesman's thing. Blonde, the blonde Jake. The Department of Jakes. 
I'm pretty sure you'll be fine. You'll be finding a lot of Jakes with blonde hair. It, it is the it yeah. is the fourth most common male name in Canada, apparently. Yeah, it is. It um with this show though, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of spine in this, literally in yeah. uh, the yeah. medical scenes. But the the amount of courage required to do this, and with that bit at the end, what she said about taking that to her hometown. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Like, I'm just trying to figure well, out. Well, the, the thing that. is, she grew up in uh, actually a very small town in Alberta. So she is a Canadian comedian. She currently lives in the UK. But what happened is she had this horrible injury, you know, inflicted upon her by an ex-boyfriend in that very small community. And because it's such a small community, everyone, you know, knows each other or, you know, everyone knows the perception of one another. So it's actually very hard for anyone to kind of shed that uh, identity unless again they leave that little very very small town you spend a lot of time looking over your shoulder when everyone knows your name yeah basically so the fact that she is coming back to that you know small uh town and doing her show there and illuminating like hey this person that you knew he is not the person that we all thought we knew that takes a lot of courage because you have people who will probably be like no 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 you're lying you know you were an ex-girlfriend you know that kind of thing. She even talked about how the police were saying, you know, did you do anything to get yourself beaten up? Which I thought was very absurd. Because, you know, did you do something to get yourself beaten up? As in, you yeah. know, already putting the blame on her. So the fact that she will, uh, she said that she's going to maybe try to get set there, that is, again, very, very brave. Again, like, as like as someone who will probably never experience anything remotely close to what's in this, it is illuminating about the gulf of understanding because of the degree of detail involved there. Mm-hmm. And the delivery, too, because when you have something given to you in a joke, that's one of the best ways to get information okay. to stick. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because if she were, she was just going to give, like, the facts of domestic violence, like, you know, did you know, like, you know, like, I don't really know the statistics, so please don't be like, you quoted the statistics wrong. I'm just going off, like, as an example. Like, every one in five women are, you know, domestically, you know, abused, blah, blah, blah. Then, you know, we would be like, okay, numbers, 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 not really listen. But because she told it in a story, mm-hmm. she had that very personal, like, you know, connection with the audience. That's how we were, you know, able to really kind of, like, sink in and not just kind of go off into, and this is horrible, another statistic. But this is what happens. Sometimes well, people don't care about the numbers. They don't I mean, care if you want to go far enough with that, there's the Stalin quote, one death's a tragedy, a million statistic. And there's, mm-hmm. that quote is a callous quote from a mass murderer, but it's an accurate quote in terms of perception Mm -hmm. because statistics are distant despite being greater. That's right. And I think that what this does really well, as do, I think, any good, like Hassan Minhaj's Homecoming King is a good example, actually, is taking an issue, and it can be a very serious issue, as it was in Homecoming King, Mm -hmm. and as it very certainly is here, and put a very, not only a relatable, but impactful narrative and like I said, for me, that illustrates the gulfs in my understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was it was a good show. It was a good show. If people can uh, have a time, check out Catherine Ferns. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's really really funny. She she mentioned that she uh, Googled her own name and also the misspelling of her name because mm-hmm. her name is K A T H A R I N E, not the E R I N E. Well, I think did I I leaned over to you when she said that. Yeah. Did you did you hear this? Did I say did I misspell her? I misspelled her name, didn't I? <laughs> on the um, on the the the, mm-hmm. the the thing, the time when I had to spell her name. Mm-hmm. No, no, she, she is quite funny. So definitely go check out mm-hmm. her. We also, yep. we are now going to talk about an upcoming uh, show here at UBC really? by MFA student Megan Andres. Oh yeah, it'll be really really cool. It's called Behind the Door. It's her thesis play workshop. So we are the first ones that will be able to see the workshops at the Dorothy Somerset. And we're going to play a little bit of that interview, and we'll get back to you with more super cool guests. See, the first time you told me about this, I thought yeah. it was behind the green door, which would be a very different viewing That'd experience. That'd be a very different viewing experience. But this is also quite interesting. I hope everyone enjoys, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Arts Report. I am your host, Ashley Park, and I am with Megan Andres. She was an MFA in creative writing and theater at UBC, and now you have your workshop presentation for your thesis play, Behind the Door. It's coming up this September 21st to the 23rd, 7.30 at Dorothy Somerset Studio at UBC. Can you tell us more about the show, Megan? 
Uh, so the play is about uh, Ayla and her half-siblings, Gabe and Kat, and they are dealing with their mother's psychotic relapse. Mm-hmm. So as the as her symptoms, as their mother's symptoms worsen, um, past wrongs come together to uh, reveal secrets. And um, yeah, it's just kind of a look at how this family can come back together. Mm-hmm. And this is your thesis play. For someone who doesn't know what a thesis play is, can you explain that to our, our listeners? Sure. So um, I'm a creative writing and theater, so it's a joint kind of uh, MFA. So I have classes in theater and I have in creative writing. And my thesis is actually a full-length play. So um, I developed it over the last two years. Um, most of the writing was done in this previous year. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm culminating in a uh, workshop presentation. So what exactly is a workshop presentation? So it's a little bit different, and sometimes the definition changes depending on who you are. There's staged readings, which uh, generally um, it's actors with music stands. Mm -hmm. Then there's full productions where it's sound and lights and uh, actors are off book. For my workshop presentation, it's done in about half the time you would normally do a rehearsal uh, Mm -hmm. period. So, But I'm trying to do all of the effects, so like sound and light, though they are more minimal than if I had done an actual production. Mm Um, and the actors will be holding scripts, um, although they're very familiar with the text, so they won't be looking at it quite as often as if they were doing a stage reading. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's the best way to give a picture of the play. And this play, Behind the Door, how did it kind of like come to you? Like, What brought the uh, genesis of the idea, and what made you want to develop it further uh, throughout your MFA? So I'm from Winnipeg, and in Winnipeg, um, I worked at an assisted... Uh, living program for people with uh, mental illness, so Mm -hmm. schizophrenia, autism, that sort of thing. Um, Concurrently with that, I was also uh, writing plays for the Faculty of Social Work at the University of Manitoba, in which it was looking at women who had their children taken away. Mm -hmm. And when I was working um, with both uh, in the the assisted living program, one of the things that was a big draw brought back, especially to uh, some of my clients who had schizophrenia, was the connection with their family. Mm -hmm. And that schizophrenia itself was this thing this entity of its own that created a stigma that just attached itself to every single member of the family Mm -hmm. and it was hard to um hard to come together so one thing I really wanted to look at with this play is that the idea of schizophrenia as stigma in the family Mm -hmm. and uh I didn't want it to be a play this isn't the schizophrenia play but it's about family dealing with a mental illness Mm -hmm. and I like what you mentioned that it's not just again quote, mental illness play, that it really is more than just speaking on the illness, but just how it affects the people around it. It's more trying to deal with the stigma that's surrounding mental illness. Mm -hmm. So mental illness plays a part in the play, but so does a lot of the misconceptions that people have. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time uh, researching, um, particularly schizophrenia, because um, that's what one of the clients or one of the characters is living with. But... um, really looking at how media is portraying schizophrenia. Normally mm-hmm. when you see a show like CSI or, or any of those crime dramas, somebody has schizophrenia and they've killed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, they're, uh, they're causing problems. And I mean, that is, I mean, there is cases of that, but it's mm-hmm. so many more people live with this and their families deal with it. Um, and all that we see as the public are these really negative, violent, um, mm-hmm. or Uh, ridiculous kind of depictions of it. Mm -hmm. So basically you want to kind of make sure that your play um, kind of brings a light to the stereotype and how it's untrue. Yeah, and and sort of just looking at um, trying to shed a light on schizophrenia, which is probably one of the least understood and Mm -hmm. most stigmatized mental illnesses there are, um, and just looking at the the difficult struggles that are involved. One of my inspirations for this piece was a play called The Eradication of Schizophrenia in Western Lapland. It's a mouthful. Yep. Um, So there was this group, uh, uh, Rick Diculamis, who had written this play, and basically what it was is they were trying to showcase um, the feel of schizophrenia. So they had two plays, one on... two acts, one on one mm-hmm. side, one on the other. They split the audience. Okay. So one one half watched one, one half watched the other, but they could hear the other side. Ah. And then after intermission, split it. So what they were trying to look at was um, getting the average person to, who, to have the feel mm-hmm. of schizophrenia to see what someone was going through um, in an average day. But they were actually inspired by something called talk therapy, which happened in...
and proclivities don't lead into that we one. are back hopefully you guys in, uh, enjoyed that interview with megan andres again her show is september the uh, 21st to the 23rd definitely come check it out behind the door dorothy somerset studios it is a free event so why not check it out so let's actually talk about another cool event coming up word vancouver it actually starts to uh yesterday september the 19th and it goes until the 24th it is a multitude of free reading and writing activities that will take place at various locations and they're all part of the wonderful world vancouver festival so it's a really really big event here to celebrate the love of word and language we have two awesome writers with us here today could you introduce yourself to our listeners i'm leanne dunick and i'm shazia hafiz ramji and let's talk about your work in Word Vancouver. What are you guys uh, presenting? Um, I am part of a panel at 11 a.m. called Mixed Voices Raised, and that's presented in conjunction with the Hapapalooza Festival, which is a festival happening simultaneously that's um, celebrating mixed race culture. And then I'm reading from my book, To Love the Coming End, at 3.50. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm giving a workshop at noon on Sunday, and it's called The Art of the Response, and we're basically going to figure out how to begin and build stories using sources such as music, uh, art, news, and memory, and then I'm going to be giving a reading at 3.30. All right, sounds super cool. So let's kind of ease into it. How did you guys get involved with Word Vancouver? My first experience with Word was years ago when I was just thinking about becoming a writer and I went there as a place to meet other writers and to hear readings. Um, and since then I've been involved with Word through SFU, through the writer studio and giving um, writing consults to, to anyone who submitted manuscripts. And last year was my first year actually participating as an author. I was on a panel with Rice Paper Magazine mm-hmm. and this is my first time just as an author, author promoting my book. Okay, sounds cool. What about you? Um, I've known of Word Vancouver for a long time. I guess I'd always looked up to it because I grew up in the city and it was mm-hmm. always this big public literary festival around the library that I'd see all these, you know, people getting together and looking at books and finding out about new magazines and things. And um, then I ended up working in the publishing industry for Subtrain, Anvil, and Talon. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up at the festival tabling. And then a couple of years ago, I got my first gig doing a reading at the festival. And now workshop and reading so this is great yeah sounds great sounds great sounds like a lot of fun and let's talk about well your you know projects that you have for where you guys have your individual uh, books how did those come into being like did like let's talk about the process of writing that piece of work you know did you already have that idea in mind or was it from another thing that you wanted to use but you're like oh I can't use it for this I want to use it for that how did the genesis of your work for this particular uh, I guess uh presentation during a word Vancouver kind of start. Leanne, go ahead. <laughs> Writers don't want to talk about this, do they? I know. <laughs> I know, I know. It's always an awkward question. Yeah, I don't have good. this big secret or, or, or um, explanation, really. I guess I sat down to write a book of short stories, mm-hmm. and while I was writing that book of short stories, I ended up writing this book, which is To Love the Coming End, which is not a book of short stories. Well, What's it about? <laughs> oh gosh, that's that's my w- number one dreaded question. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's like the question that's asked the most, but you're like also like, oh, I hope they don't always ask the question that's always asked the most. <laughs> it's, well, it's true, but I I've been asked it the most, but I still don't have the right answer or an answer. Mm-hmm. It's a book that I am calling lyric prose. It's not quite poetry, and it's not quite fi- um, your typical prose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called To Love the Coming End. So there's definitely a post-apocalyptic feeling to it. It touches Mm -hmm. on the earthquake that happened in Japan in 2011. It talks about personal loss, and it takes place in Singapore, British Columbia, and Japan. Uh, Mine's a book of poems called Prosopopoeia, and it's published by a chapbook press in Toronto called Anstruther Press. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my poems are Um, have to do with communication and how it's mediated by technology and other forms so just how we watch ourselves online Mm -hmm. and all the conversations that are going on in screens so a lot of my process involved being on the internet and research and using source material like found text and overheard conversations to build that work. That's actually really interesting especially when you you talk about uh, communication in a modern age there's actually a lot of uh, poets who use the internet as a 
uh, strong platform. Uh, there's a lot of like Instagram, like Instagram famous like poets or people who use like um, m- like text message poems almost. Mm-hmm. Like they have like a screenshot of their text message and that's like their poetry in like a way. Have right. you used like other um, media in terms of that? Did you use media like you no know, Instagram, like you know pictures or? other stuff you did talk about the found text yeah I used a lot of found text so an example was um, I was really interested in space junk and how Mm. people talked about space junk just you know bits from satellites floating in space and so in a lot of the research I used the language that people used to talk about space junk and how it's interesting how people have personified it Mm. and you you know talked about in a very sentimental way so I looked at a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of research and pulled the language from that now, with, uh, with that, though, you know, other poets have been revived, too. Dead ones. Frank O'Hara, for example, very popular. Now, Rupi Kaur is actually doing mm-hmm. very well with yeah, Rupi Kaur is doing pretty well, yeah. Kaur? Sorry. I, I don't, uh, don't, not very good at pronouncing things. That's okay. I think we all have a bit of, like, a, when we read it and we're like, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this, and then you try to, like, kind of spell it out, like, oh, does this vowel go with the first consonant or the one behind it kind <laughs> yeah, of thing? That's the fun of it. <laughs> Sounds are hard. Sounds are hard. And um, going back to stories, going back to kind of like influences, let's go with something a little more nostalgic. What was the first, not the first, maybe, what was the most influential thing you read as a kid? Like, what's your favorite, like, childhood story? <laughs> Leanne, you first. <laughs> I, oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm going to say Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I grew up in a very predominantly Caucasian town and I saw someone who was the center of the story that was brunette and she mm-hmm. talked to animals and I really liked that and yep. she lived with seven men and why not? <laughs> and why not? Um, I don't remember one of the first stories that was super influential, but I always remember um, watching a lot of National Geographic and thinking of myself as an explorer when I was little. Yeah. And I remember just watching a lot of snake and reptile programs and wanting to write in response to that. So I think one of my first poems was about a sidewinder snake. Mm-hmm. That's an odd mode of locomotion for the sidewinder. I never <laughs> understood what sort of element evolutionary imperative gets him. Shuffle on my side. Yeah, yeah. I am an oblong entity, <laughs> but I am going to act like a conglomeration of capital S's. Yeah, desert this snakes. This makes so. sense. Yeah, I guess we're moving along with the dunes or <laughs> kind of like that. Something like that. I know we have a lot more super awesome questions, but we're going to actually take a little bit of a break put some PSAs and ads for our listeners, and then we'll be right back with more Word Vancouver. Stay tuned, everybody. The Crane Library is looking for student volunteers to record textbooks for those who cannot use print at the university. If you're a UBC student who is computer literate with an ability to read university material aloud and you have a willingness to learn new techniques, we ask for a two-hour commitment once a week. For additional information and to set up an edition, call 604-822-6114 or email crane.volunteer at ubc.ca. Having trouble finding affordable, fresh-baked goods and coffee? Come down to Agora Cafe located in the Macmillan Building at UBC. There's also space available to study. To understand more about fashion, we asked CITR student executive and fashion expert Jonathan Q what fashion means to him. It's just aesthetically something that's so ostentatious. Typically, typically. I mean, because of course, I mean, it's also, you know, I mean, when, when you say fashion, I think people are talking explicitly about uh, consumerism as opposed to someone who buys, like, uh, like you know. If you really want to know more about fashion, come on down to CITR in the Student Union Building of UBC and pick up some of our merchandise à la mode. Nous avons t-shirts, sweatshirts, socks, and coffee mugs. But it's also very aesthetically gripping. To keep you styling in support of the station you love. Isn't that right, Jonathan? Well, actually, is it? Because, I mean, you know, I was going to say because of the cultural vacuum that we exist within, but then, you know, uh, really, fashion today is kind of derived from the European idea of couture, and that's been around for centuries. 
And we're back. You're listening to The Arts Report, CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Muscogee territory in Vancouver. I am your host, Ashley Park. And I'm Jake Clark. And we are actually joined with another guest from Word Vancouver. Can you introduce yourself to the audience, please? I would love to. My name is Dina Del Bucchia. Thank you for having me. Hi, Ashley. Thank you for Hi, being Julie. here, Dina. Can you tell us about your work that's going to be presented at Word Vancouver? Uh, my first book of fiction mm-hmm. just came out. It's called Don't Tell Me What to Do. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it's short stories, 15 short stories. Mm-hmm. So I will be reading from that. I will be carefully selecting PG-13 material uh-huh. from the book. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't done that yet, but I'm definitely going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I will read from that collection. Yeah. There's a lot of um, women behaving badly, mm-hmm. strangely. Uh-huh. Um, Some saucy material. Desperately. Yeah. But it's very comedic mm-hmm. um, and a bit sad. Oh. Because that's what being alive is all about. <laughs> comedic and sad. Kind of. Yeah, well. that's true. Would anyone dispute this? No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm in, I mean, we're in radio. We veer to one end of that. That's true. That's Which true. end is it? Well, that's really a topic for a different show. Yeah. Not our <laughs> show. Not our show. Not the Arts Report, no. So, uh, Dina, let me ask you a question. This is your first time working with uh, Word Vancouver or no? No. Many, many years. Ooh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why I have to be careful about my PG-13 material. Um <laughs> uh, You've seen some people flame out on the juicier bits? I mean, let's just say that some people sometimes have to be warned to behave. Mm. Okay. I'm not saying I'm one of those people. Yeah. No, the other people. Word is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's such a great day. And yeah, it, I think this is like my sixth year. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. There's, yeah. And then there's a lot of experience you have with it. Yeah, for sure. What's the, what's the change this year that wasn't available last year? I don't have no idea. Are there changes that are new? I would love to know if there are. Someone please tell me. Well, it looks like there's a lot of events happening. Uh, today is... Oh, well, they, it started today. It started yesterday in the 19th. Today's the 20th. Oh, right. Today's the 20th. I know. Time's going by guys, so fast. Are we even still alive? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we're just, you know, projections in some other person's, you know, like the Matrix or something. We're well, all just part of someone's imagination. That's right. There are mm-hmm. some theories that would hold that we're philosophical. Yeah. I wish they would imagine me a lot more prettier, but oh well. I can't. You are gorgeous. Thank Everyone you. in this room is beautiful. Thank you, which is true. Which is true. <laughs> this is a really hot room. Like, it's physically warm, but also everyone's very attractive. <laughs> Those two things are related. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're very glistening in here. That's right. That's right. Under the studio lights. And this is why radio is an auditory medium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, let, let's talk about Word Vancouver, just to kind of uh, center us back. Um, it's going to be on the 19th to 24th for people. There's a lot of events happening. Uh, as mentioned, this year there's uh, quite a stuff happening, actually. Today on the uh, 20th, they have um, some reading, 630 uh, at 3608 West 4th Avenue. Meet me in hard-to-love places with author Eric Bowers at 7 p.m., at the Cottage Bistro, 4468 Main Street, we have Pandora Collective presents Twisted Poets Literary Salon with Teresa Kishkin, Dan MacIsaac, and Arlene Pere. I hope I'm saying their names correctly. So it looks like this is like all over Vancouver. It's not just at one place. On the 24th, it looks like there's a lot of stuff happening at the Vancouver Public Library. You would be correct. Do you guys know what's going on? Can you tell us a little bit? So many things are going on. There's multiple stages Mm -hmm. and multiple venues happening outside and inside. Mm -hmm. So the festival is kind of taking place everywhere. And uh, local magazines and publishers will have tables set up. Oh, yeah. There'll probably be some real nice swag available. But also you can purchase books by all the authors that are there. You can purchase Mm -hmm. local magazines like Subterrain and... Uh, not Poetry is Dead. I almost said it. We totally aren't going to be there. <laughs> I'm the worst person to publicity. There's a magazine called Poetry is Dead. Yeah, it's a great and magazine. sell it at Word Vancouver. It's a great magazine, except mm-hmm. we're not selling it. And Dana is the new editor-in-chief, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not yet. With Ben Rollick. Mm-hmm. He's going to do all the hard tasks, and I'll just be like the dreamy idiot. <laughs> like always. But yeah, you'll be able to purchase so many amazing things. Mm-hmm. Often there are sales, which is really exciting if you... Want to stock up? I think of that course. they do. They still have the tote bags that they're doing. Or no, there's like, going to be tote bags. I think there's going to yeah, be lots of tote bags. There's lots yeah. of tote bags available from all sorts of different uh, yeah. 
And Prism Publisher. International is also going to yes, be there. Yes, Prism the, is going to be there. Mm-hmm. The yeah, magazine right. that's run out of the creative writing department. And yeah, especially. And the poetry editor. So here Selena at- Bowen will be at the table. And Jessica Johns. And I will be around, too. Jessica Johns? I love that show. <laughs> oh, my Nailed God. It. Oh, my God. Jake. Sorry, I had to. That's okay. That's okay. It looks like you she also appreciate have- it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> looks like you guys also have really cool uh, site-specific activities and Sunday highlights. Looks like there is a... Um, a Buddha board installation, a circus lab. It, it actually says there will be roving characters unicycling and performing other acrobatic feats. So an actual circus lab and a fairy tale scavenger hunt. So there's a lot of stuff for families to do, for young uh, kids to do. Yeah, there's a kids tent always. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's kids authors that are writing. Sometimes there are actual kids like uh, performing, mm-hmm. reading their own stuff. So there's a lot of great things happening. But yeah, tons of stuff for kids. Yep. Just bring your kids to the library anyway, but then at Word Vancouver, they get to be extra entertained. Which yeah. branch is this at the Vancouver Public Library? The, the, main, the central branch Yeah, downtown. central branch. Okay. Yeah, the big one downtown. Oh, so when that kind of looks like a coliseum. It's like right oh, near yeah. the library pub, if you're familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a that's a very pub. important port of part of Word Vancouver is like <laughs> going there, and taking a break. Mm-hmm. There's a library pub, like that's that's pretty nice. Like I remember when I first came to Vancouver, like there was a bookshop, there's a bookstore and a liquor store somewhere on on Broadway. They were right beside each other. I'm like, okay, we're getting a that was on Fourth <laughs> Avenue. I worked there. It's called Duffy Books. Really? Yeah. There was a wine right, store. Wine st- Oh, yeah. Kitsilano wine. <laughs> Sometimes would I go there on Friday night and get a ball of wine while I was working? Maybe. Hard to say. <laughs> it's inspiration juice. You know, got to get through those Friday nights. Yeah. Do you know that it was at Word Vancouver that I saw Dina read for the very first time? Really? Yes. Yes. Is that true? It's true. <laughs> what did you read? And, well... I mean, she read something interesting, obviously, mm-hmm. but what was also interesting is that she was reading on a bus, and that is something I believe that will be continuing this year. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, good point. That year, what had happened was the poetry tent blew down because there was a terrible storm. Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. It was super Vancouver, so they were like, they took all the tents on one street down. They're like, mm-hmm. well, we just can't have these. They're too dangerous. So all the events that were supposed to be there got moved onto the bus mm. and there's a poetry bus because of a program called poetry is in transit mm-hmm. um and poets work is you've probably seen it if you've written yeah. transit in vancouver yeah so there are poems again they're all pg-13 it's been super hard for me to get one on there <laughs> uh, i did get one mm-hmm. but um so that's why the bus is there to showcase that work and to do that specific event there but now they've just been doing poetry events in that space, which is pretty mm-hmm. fun. I was going to say the only way that could be more Vancouver is if you just fired up a joint in the bus, but I don't think that would be possible with the PG-13 element. I mean, people have edibles now, so anything can, is possible. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I, also right? didn't, I also didn't know that people were in the bus. I thought you were on the bus like with a megaphone and rush, you know, fired these short shotgun-like bursts of poetry at the audience. <laughs> she might have to do that this time. Yeah, yeah right? Sorry. Content warning! (laughs) (laughs) And there's actually something called uh, Sunrise Suite and the uh, CUPE stage poetry. You're actually involved in it. Uh, Shazia, could you tell us more about it? Um, I only looked at the schedule today, but I am reading at that stage at 3.30, and I believe I'm alongside Stephen Collis, who's an excellent poet, too. And um, You're also with uh, Shalene Knight, Heidi Greco, Emma Field, and... Uh, Spilius, hope I'm saying that right. I think you are. Oh, great. Uh, Sherry D. Wilson and Sean Robinson, as well as Stephen Collis and many more. Uh, so when you were part of that, like, you know, group, I don't know if you, you just said, like, I just checked it now, but did you know that you were going to be part of that uh, set? Um, I didn't know I was going to be part of that set, but now that I'm seeing it, it makes sense to be alongside Steve and Marguerite because those are all chapbooks, mm-hmm. and Stephen's chapbook is published by Rob McLennan. Um, of Above Ground Press in Ontario. Mm-hmm. I'm reading at that thing, too. Oh, really? I think so, but maybe I'm more. not. Oh, yeah. I, I am definitely and many You're more. Totally I am like, many I'm not yeah. m- making the ranks that I want to, but, you know, many more is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, do you guys have, I know this is something I totally just sprang on you right now, but do you guys have work that you'd like to maybe read on air for us today? Sure, uh, I can't. Yeah, authors are really good at promoting themselves, <laughs> so um, I didn't bring my book. <laughs> but I think you Sorry have... to get a little eight mile on you with the sort of, you know, sudden <laughs> oh, yeah. poetry. Oh, yeah. I know. Uh, maybe we can just do, finally, the 
the poetry improv troupe the three of us have all yeah. dreamed of creating. Yeah. We've talked about it before. We're just like, three cool brunettes. <laughs> That's our... That is my dream, just the three cool brunettes. Yeah, like, and then we do our poetry improv. Mm-hmm. Super successful. We make no. it big. We get a mainstream TV show <laughs> about poetry. That. I would. Yeah, it actually sounds like a really cool uh, indie name. Like, you know, like, oh, three cool brunettes. No one is going to pay for this. That's okay. No one pays for anything anymore. I know. It's poetry. <laughs> Worth a try. Have you seen the Death Note remake? Netflix will make anything. Netflix There's also like a you know band called Two Non Blondes. So why not you yeah. know three cool Isn't it four non blondes? It's well, two non blondes. Well, it used to be four non blondes, but it's no longer the nineties. Oh, so. did someone yeah. die there? How much of that song am I allowed to sing before I have to pay? Do for it. it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like a certain limit that you can yeah. sing before it's like we have to like ching. <laughs> I mean, I definitely perform that at karaoke. <laughs> I'll just do Tequila by the Champs. That's because by the time I can do karaoke, those are the only lyrics I'm comfortable remembering. Right. <laughs> or whip it, honestly. Leanne, yeah, I actually have a question. Uh, didn't you uh, maybe? Mm-hmm. Looks like we have a super awesome uh, LP here. Unfortunately, yeah. the you know audience, this being an auditory medium, cannot see this really really pretty LP. But you have a song on this LP that actually corresponds to uh, one of your work. Can you tell us more about it? Sure. So I play in a band called The Deep Cove. Mm-hmm. And our forthcoming album, which is coming out in November, is called To Love the Coming End of the World. And my book is called To Love the Coming End. And they are companion pieces. They even match in their aesthetic. But you can't see it. But unfortunately, we can't see it. <laughs> and when is this album coming out? Um, our album release is November 4th at the Fox Theater. Ooh, mm-hmm. super Ooh, fun. Cool. We're going to channel those former porn theater vibes <laughs> through rock and roll. I remember I went there to see Flea a couple years ago, and I remember listening very carefully to the sound my shoes made against the floor. If there was any kind of popping or sticking, I'm like, nope, nope, out of here, out of here. <laughs> Is it okay if our listeners actually listen to a sneak uh, peek at... Uh, the uh, one of the songs on here called "To Love the Coming End of the World." Of course, all right. This will be its first time played on radio. <gasps> I know. So monumental. I'm so happy I'm here. Yeah, I'm monumental. Happy you're all here. All these brunettes. <laughs> all right. Blonde guy. <laughs> I'm really painting the visual. Of blonde guys. We mentioned this. <laughs> That's true. Uh, anyways, this is the Deep Code to Love the Coming End of the World. We're just going to do a little bit of a sneak preview here at the Arts Report. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Arts Report. That was a really cool song. Thank you for uh, letting us play a little bit on air. No problem. Thank you. Yeah. And anyways, guys, just we are closing up the show. I know there's so much you guys want to hear from us. But uh, if you want to see more of these lovely ladies, they will be at Word Vancouver. You can actually check the website. Can you guys give your names again for our listeners so they can check out your work? Uh, my name is Dina Delbuchia. You can find out more about me at dinadelbuchia.com. All right. And please buy uh, Leanne and Shazia's books. They're amazing. <laughs> Dina Delbuchia is amazingly alliterative. <laughs> I'm Leanne Dunick, and I'm also available on the internet, and I also endorse the purchasing of all books, not mm-hmm. just ours. Oh, I guess all books are prime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Shazia Hafiz Ramji, and you can also find me on the internet at Shazia underscore R, and I just waved at you, so that should count for something. That was the cutest (laughs) wave. Oh, you guys are the best. Anyways.
everybody. Thank you guys so much. Please check out Word Vancouver. It's until the 24th, and we'll catch you next time. The next program is CITR 101.9 FM. Well beyond next. We don't know. You to find out. Cheers. <laughs>